It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is another episode of the CHGO Fire Podcast. Hello. Happy Tuesday, even though things are definitely not happy for one team that plays at Soldier Field. We'll find out about the other one, I suppose, on Sunday. But until then, we are stuck with the Chicago Fire, who have lost four in a row. Guillermo Rivera is back on the show. And Guillermo, you always seem to turn up here when things are going south for the Fire. I I apologize for always bringing you in as the, uh, almost like the voice of doom. Yeah, I'm I'm accustomed to that. It's okay. I covered them for 10 years, and it was the voice of doom for for a decade. So that's my lot in life. Yeah, that's that's very fair. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Tom Bogert of The Athletic, the man who is the insider for all things transfers in and out of MLS to recap some of the biggest deals around the league this summer, the European transfer windows having closed this week. So should be about done with all the relevant deals. But eventually, we do have to talk about the games here. These last two were not good. We're also going to get to your thoughts, the listeners, on the Google form we sent out the other day of what players you would bring back to the fire next year if you could only keep five. Uh, some of those results were pretty expected and there were some interesting wrinkles. Basically, two guys ran away with it, and then after that, there's some room for debate. But let's rip this Band-Aid off and get it over with. Chicago fires zero. Vancouver Whitecaps won a very frustrating loss at home at Soldier Field. Uh, Lionel Messi will not be here for another month, but Scottish Messi put on quite a show in this one. Guillermo, I think uh, Rafa Shios is going to be having nightmares about Ryan Gauld for weeks to come. Yeah, I, again... Following the League's Cup break where they were playing well, I mean, right before they had a little run of, um, I think, a little bit of fortune with um, missing Hani Mukhtar starting the Nashville game. Then against two teams that you should beat at home, Montreal and Toronto, uh, going to the League's Cup, um, you get trounced, uh, not trounced, but you get bounced in League's Cup uh, after a couple of decent results. And I, I thought they played reasonably well uh, during League's Cup. But to come back and have that sort of effort, I think... <laughs> Uh, very disappointing. He's got to be for the fire. Yeah, so Gold gets the assist in the one goal that's in the 19th minute. Brian White scores it. Uh, Chris Brady does his best to keep it out, but I think that goal is really less on Brady than a lot of other people. Carlos Turan can't let Brian White just step in front of him like that. So there's a lot, lot up to that. The fire played a 3-4-3, trying to match up with uh, the 3-5-2 that Vancouver was playing. Uh, that failed miserably, while Mauricio Pineda looks comfortable in the middle of a back three. Neither Tehran nor Shehos looked at all comfortable right. having to cover that space wide. And Vancouver rightly just attacked the spaces behind the wingbacks and outside the centerbacks again and again and again. 
Klopas pulls the plug at halftime. 4-2-3-1. Things did look a little better, I suppose. But, I mean, it's it does leave you wondering, like, beyond saying, oh, we're going to play back three because they play back three. It's, it's, look, it's like the fire. We're totally surprised at the Whitecaps doing the very obvious things. Yeah, but they still, like I said, they made an adjustment at halftime and still lost 1-0. So, uh, it's it, it basically, I, I don't care what formation you play in, eventually the talent is going to bear out and the, the team that you have is the team that's going to, uh, that you're going to see at the end of the year in the standings. Uh, whether or not you're playing three, four, uh, three in the back, four in the back, five in the back, you can match up however you want, um, but this team is only built to go so far. Chris Brady was fine in this game outside of the goal. He made some good saves. This game could have been a lot worse, and he was part of why it wasn't. Uh, after that halftime adjustment, the fire were actually pretty good for about the first 20 minutes of the second half. And then just collectively, both teams played just, just some awful, awful soccer in the last quarter of the game. It, it just Vancouver looked frustrated that they weren't up three or four nil like they probably could have been. Yeah. And so they didn't seem very interested. The fire ran out of gas. It, it just... We've seen a lot of bad soccer this season, uh, but the last bad. 20 minutes of that... That was a rough game, watch, absolutely. Oof. Like, neither team was good. We've seen the fire be bad and, and the opposition be good. Neither happened here. Um, the other thing I want to note on this game, in the 10th minute, Kai Kamara gets a great feed from Brian Gutierrez. He is one-on-one one with the keeper, and he just absolutely blasts it right off the keeper's chest. Kai has been sitting one goal behind Landon Donovan for what feels like months at this point. Right. It just kind of feels like he might be cursed ever since he got within one of that eventual target because, man, it, it just he can't buy a goal right now even when he's got to put on a plate for him. I, maybe he's been uh, standing too close to Casper Shabilko. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> the ghost of uh, Landon Donovan keeping him from tying. I, it's, uh, I, but, again, uh, Kai Kamara... Um, is what 34 35 years old so how long 37, 37? Uh, so how long are you gonna rely on kai kamara to be your uh, your best striker well yeah again we've talked about this on the show this is not the role kai kamara was probably sold when he signed for the fire the whole idea is come in this is closer to kansas city where your family lives and is from right easier commute better situation there you can come off the bench, you can be an elder statesman for a very young team, be a locker room presence, be a leader, work with Ezra, who you know from back in the day, and instead that quickly turned into, oh, Casper Shabilko is not, back surgery has not solved that problem, Kutsius isn't ready yet, oh, by the way, we fired your buddy who was the head coach who brought you in, and so no, I, I can't imagine this season has at all been what Casper, excuse me, what Kai Kamara was hoping it would be. Um, of course, between him and Shabilko, one of those guys has a contract next year, one of them doesn't. <laughs> the one who has one isn't Kai Kamara. Uh, not many home games left because of the Bears' schedule forcing a front-loaded home schedule. Can't be losing the home games. No, absolutely. Es- especially not to another team who... I mean, Vancouver is battling for playoff position in the West, which is just hilarious because, man, if the Fire were a Western Conference team, they would be weirdly comfortably in the playoffs right now because, my God, the Western Conference is... Uh, has like two or three good teams. Everyone else is terrible. Shout out to our friends out at uh, DNVR Rapids, who I'm sure have a full plate today after the dismissal of head coach Robin Frazier this morning. Uh, at least the folks at PHNX and have Phoenix Rising in the USL Championship. They seem to be having a good time. So good for them. Uh, if you thought the Vancouver game was bad, oh boy, you had not seen anything yet. DC United 4, Chicago Fire 0, and... Um, I'm allowed to swear on this show, and I do it very rarely. <laughs> yeah, it's allowed. Holy shit, that was bad. Yep. Like, just a, you know, 
we Guillermo referenced it. He's been on the beat a long time. We have seen some bad fire games. Like we've seen some just incredible blown leads. We've seen some uh, Brian Sandalow for the Sun from the Sun Times trademark whatevering for games and games on end. My God, this was just, I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch this live. I watched it back later. What a great decision by me to just <laughs> spare myself the pain of watching this in real time. And that, that was uh, over early, and it, it, as bad as the score was, it could have been worse. There was a complete cap- capitulation to a team that's right below you and uh, a, a direct competitor for that ninth and final playoff spots. Just uh yeah, confounding, just picture. really a confounding uh, effort. Yeah, Fire game. were 9th, DC United were 10th when this game started. Those had flipped by the end of it. Um, also, I mean, I think you got to give credit. A lot of people, when Wayne Rooney was brought back in early this season to DC, were kind of skeptical that that was going to really work. But him and the players have gelled. I mean, if you think things are messy here, things are a mess in DC. There's basically open war between ownership the front office and the players yeah, and the fans. No one's on the same side as anybody. Maybe you could say the players <laughs> and the fans are kind of allies in this fight, but it's it's an organizational mess. They're winning anyway. And I think that only more highlights. You can't make any excuses. Nothing is set up well for DC here. Well, Rooney's also on a contract, and there is yeah. an issue with uh, whether or not they bring him back. It's Yeah, no, no, one, no one on that entire staff, basically, or team, has their future on that team secured. And they went out and they beat the Fire 4-0 because the players have decided, you know, we're going to actually try to give these fans who we know have been through the ring or something, we're going to try to make the playoffs. Uh, We don't need to break this game down in excruciating detail, but (laughs) I do want to go through the goals because there's just hilariously obvious mistakes on all of them. Uh, The first goal, uh, Mateus Click is dribbling upfield. And uh, Gaston Jimenez could easily take two steps forward and prevent a pass. Instead, Gaston trots in reverse. Uh, Click plays a pass long. Uh, Christian Benteke dialing back the clock to his Aston Villa days. Turns Rafa Shios just completely inside out in a one-on-one battle. Real easy. But, man, like this was this is Taylor Twelman tweeting about it level bad <laughs> from Gaston Jimenez here. Yeah, Jimenez, uh, I-, I thought, had been better. For the most part, this fine. season, yeah, he'd been fine. Uh, but uh, the red card, uh, this effort, uh, really, at some point, uh, and we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, yeah. you really have to d- uh, question the people who are bringing in Jimenez. And they had a chance to move on, but they decided to uh, take the DP tag off and extend his contract, which... And you only get one un- unlike punished player buyout a year. So right. even if there's a total change in the sporting department, there is going to just be a cornucopia overflowing with options of, hmm, we can we can rip up one contract out of this entire pile. Which one is it going to be? And there's not an obvious answer, as we will get into. Right. Uh, also, Rafa Chios just allows himself to get pulled totally out of position on that goal by Benteke. He's five or ten yards deeper than the fullbacks. Tehran has pushed <laughs> up field, and that's one issue. But if you look, uh, Suke... And Aceves are basically level with each other. They are they are on what is clearly an agreed upon line. And Benteke just wanders downfield, and rather than holding the line and trying to play any sort of offside trap, Shields just follows him and like stays between him and Chris Brady, setting up just a complete posterization opportunity. And to see Sheho struggling that way, that's just right. so disheartening. He's arguably been their best player this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you can uh, make an argument for Brian Gutierrez. Gutierrez and Pineda uh, get shouts. And yes. That's about uh, that. So it's, <laughs> it's disheartening to see uh, your captain and your best player uh, just, just being toyed. Uh, it, it almost got just silly, and I'm almost a little sad, given that it ended up 4-0, 5-0, and this own goal would have been better. Uh, Arno Suke kicks the ball into his own net about as hard as you will ever see anybody kick the ball into their own net. He is only spared because DC United are called for an offside. Um, on the second goal, Tehran and Shehos both look like they're running in quicksand. Uh, Kudi Pietro just kind of taps in again. No chance for Brady. This was a two-on-two. DiPietro, Kudi Pietro, and Benteke, two-on-two versus Tehran and Shehos. And like, I am, I am a slow person. I am not quick, but I could not have looked slower than Tehran and Shehos just slowly trotting back as Kudi Pietro just runs right past both of them on this play. And I, I do feel for Chris Brady the way this was going at this point because there's nothing he can do about any of this. Yeah, there's no room for error now. There's, yeah, like I said, the home games are few and far between, so uh, they've got to maximize just about everything from here on out. Uh, the third goal, I don't know if I've ever seen this exact sequence happen. A foul that is a clear penalty kick, but the referee letting play go <laughs> on just long enough for the player who committed the foul to kick the ball into his own goal after bringing a guy down in a blatant penalty. Shios is left for dead by Benteke again, so Tehran, American football, tackles him. It's definitely a PK, but then as Tehran is falling with Benteke in his grasp, his right foot flicks out and chips Chris Brady. It's just the mo it's a ridiculous sequence. It probably should have just been a PK, but the referee holds his breath just long enough for Carlos Tirado to score a very silly own goal. It's 3-0. Just, you have to laugh at this point. <laughs> That's the beauty of sports. There's always something you've never quite seen before, and that was one of them. And then the fourth goal, Carlos Tehran is 30 yards away from where he should be for no apparent reason. He does get back eventually, but he forgets to do one thing once he does get back. Figure out where Christian Benteke is because Tehran is left there standing as Benteke taps in to a totally empty net at the back post. 4-0 DC United um, playing with fire asks, is there really a difference on how Ezra played and how Frank played? No, I mean, the most of the time it's been the same kind of 4-2-3-1 system. The devil's advocate argument would be if you look at the Fire's roster, is there really any other way to play rather than simply saying you have to have an attacking midfield line of Haley Selassie, Shakiri, and Gutierrez, and then from there, the rest of it's kind of irrelevant? Yeah, there was a bump uh, with Klopas coming on, but we had this conversation. notably. That from was Shakiri was better with Klopas. But again, we I, I think I made this, this uh, point earlier. This is their roster. No matter who the coach is, you're only... Uh, at a seven, eight, nine, possibly maximum uh, effort at the end of the year. So this this is where they're at. This is who they are. At the beginning of the year, I think uh, there were ten or eleven MLSSoccer.com experts who made predictions on the season, mm -hmm. and every one of them had them thirteenth or lower. That's not coincidence. This is who they are. They're yeah, not a this, very good this team. is this roster. It hasn't changed much. Uh, for a sec for the segment we're doing with Tom Bogert later, I went on transfer marked and went through the list of all these summer transfers that every MLS team had made in and out. There was only one team that had zero names listed, and I think that's kind of cheeky because Usman Dubia technically is a transfer that they must have just missed, but he did go from one club owned by the same person to a different club owned by the same person. So, yeah, the Fire were the only team that did not have a name listed in or out. They were the only inactive team in the transfer market 
in the entire summer window, <laughs> in the entire in the entire league. Now, not to say that being active gets you anywhere, because as we'll touch on, New York City changed like two-thirds of their team. They were bad, so they got rid of everybody. And uh, they are still bad, despite changing everyone. So that mm-hmm. doesn't always work. But, Guillermo, what do we even do after that game? I mean, do you bench a bunch of guys? Do you... Do you sit Tehran and Suke and Shehos and put a bunch of different dudes out there? It's a no-win situation for Frank Klopas at this point because he's going to be out of a job. The team's not going to make the playoffs. The decisions of who stays and who goes roster-wise will not be his. It's just this run of losses has put everybody in a really thankless position. Yeah, they're, they're suck, stuck in the endless cycle of change and bad and change and bad. And this is where they're at again now. Like you said, Klopas isn't going to be the head coach next year. I don't think he has any real interest in being the head coach. Um, And again, what do you do here? At this point, you have to continue to play the best lineup you can play. You have a few uh, homegrown players, younger players, who maybe you can make a case for, hey, let's get those kids out there and find out what what they can do. That's honestly been one of the bigger disappointments in the past couple of years, and I hope that changes now because one of the things that's coming up with the roster is you've got a lot of those kids, that group that was signed right at the beginning of the right before the pandemic, who's all supposed to go to Ford Madison, yada yada. Yeah, all those guys have options coming up this winter, and we've basically seen none of them play soccer except Brady and Guti. Right, it's possible that they are not MLS quality it players. It's possible well. they are not MLS quality players, but like it can't possibly get any worse. Um let's take a look at the remaining schedule for the Chicago Fire. It's uh you know, it is what it is. Uh Montreal, Columbus, home against New England, that's going to be tough. Uh New England has just been a superb team this season. They basically, I think I saw from an athletic piece the other day, they trade they spend less time losing than any other team in MLS. That's in, but apparently they're going to clear out their coaching staff this winter anyway, which is odd. Uh, then they go to Red Bull Arena to play the Red Bulls, uh, who are also bad. There's your big date, October 4th, home versus the Lionel Messi Traveling Circus. That is Inter-Miami CF, who will be needing a win in that game to probably make the playoffs. Mm. Their make or break is this next two weeks. They got three games without Messi. What can they do in those? Uh, then home against Charlotte for the home finale. Uh, don't be surprised if that game gets moved seat geek because uh, that's kind of what tends to happen with those games. And then they finish out things a weirdly awkward two weeks later after an international break at we don't know where because New York City doesn't have a home stadium after the start of August. Could be Yankee Stadium, could be City Field, could be Red Bull Arena, could be your house, listener. You never know when NYCFC is coming to you. They played a- <laughs> do, you have, do you have a big backyard? Uh, I, Maybe, I yeah. don't, <laughs> but uh, there is a park near me that has eight full-size soccer fields. So, you know, if they want to come on up to Matro's Beach, like they can there we go. They can do that. But no, they played a home game in Los Angeles once to just give you an idea of how weird New York City is with their inability to have a stadium. From those remaining games, asked on Twitter the other day, we're going to get over 1.5 wins or under 1.5 wins from the fire this season. 79%. Set under, and I am inclined to agree. Um, I mean, looking at those games, this next Montreal one's a, you could win that one. New York City, final day of the season, is going to be a total dead rubber for both teams. So I'm, the Red Bulls is a The Red game. Bulls is a dead rubber game, probably. So those are the three you got to look at as kind of your half chances to get wins, and then it's, are you going to turn two of those into Ws? Uh, at Columbus versus New England versus Miami versus Charlotte, I have a bad feeling. We saw what Miami did to LAFC this weekend. Jeez, I mean, yeah, you got the defending MLS champs, and they just got annihilated. 
We're going to talk about the Chicago Fires roster and your thoughts on it, everyone out there listening. But first, a word from our sponsors, Ray Chevy Dodge Jeep Ram, about their grand reopening. Get your ducks in a row because it's the grand reopening of Ray CDJR in Fox Lake. You can flock September 9th and celebrate our Get Ducked event with free prizes and your chance to win $1,000. Plus, during Jeep Adventure Days, get employee pricing on all new 2023 Jeep Gladiator models. The grand reopening of Ray, Chevy, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Fox Lank is only on September 9th, but savings will last all September long. All right, Guillermo, let's talk about the Chicago Fire roster and what where we're at. I mean, this is kind of a, a general theme. I saw I saw a tweet the other day right after the game from, I believe, at Fire Transfers on Twitter, basically making the point, you know, if, if there was an expansion draft next year, they were pointing out that there was only like three or four players they felt strongly about keeping. And so I figured, let's see what people think. So shout out to everybody who came in and responded on this. We're going to take a look at the top five as well as some honorable mentions. Coming in at number one with a whopping 95.7% of the vote is Brian Gutierrez. There were like four of you that didn't vote for Guti. And if you were listening, I would like you to please explain yourself in the comments because (laughs) no, he has not been phenomenal these last few games, but like... Why would you not want Brian Gutierrez still on the fire next season? Homegrown, showing a lot of promise. That, that Him in the top spot did not surprise me at all. Not at all. And Gutierrez, uh, if you look at where his status might be for next year, is he going to be back? He may have um, options overseas. Uh, there again, is interest overseas. We mentioned it earlier this season. England changed the rules a bit. Well, no, they changed MLS's standing. They, they moved MLS up a rung in how good the English Football Association slash government thinks your league is. And so now, before where Gucci would have needed any, a U.S. men's national team appearance, he no longer does. I think just playing for the U-20s is enough. Uh, second place, and this was a kind of a two-horse race for first, Chris Brady. Uh, the only way Chris Brady is not a member of the Fire next year is if he goes the Gaga Salina route and says, this is not fun at all. Please tell me to some giant European team. And, uh, yeah, and uh, he's End not, of this nightmare for me. Yeah, I'm not sure that he's quite as far along as uh, Gaga was. I Mm -hmm. think uh, there may be a European future ahead for Brady. I'm just not sure that he's quite ready for it yet. Yeah, I think think there will be offers this winter. I do not think they will be what the fire want. I think basically with Brady, the fire just get to point at the Gaga deal and say, 10 plus 5, if you can't do that, we will will talk to you when you're interested in doing that. So uh, my gut says we're at least six months, if not a year away from Chris Brady. Um, getting those kind of rumors. I would agree with that. That I, I could see next year being his Gaga year. He puts up a few clean sheets early in the season. Um, there's rumors maybe Sale agreed in the summer. He finishes out the year, and then off to Europe he goes. Gaga, meanwhile, looking pretty good in Belgium for a team that was fighting relegation last year. That seems to be going well so far. Big drop-off from our top two. Third place. And this was interesting because this didn't reflect what a few people who just commented, a couple people commented on Twitter their response is what they voted. And this surprised me based on those responses. Rafael Shehos, 61.3% of people who responded said they wanted him back next year, which I thought to see him in third was very interesting. Well, that, that kind of gives you an indication of where fans think this team is. There are only really two players and the two homegrown players that the fan base really thinks, okay, I want these guys back or we should have these guys back. Yeah, only 61% when you had five choices. You had to pick five players. And so for second place to be 86 and third to be 61, that really does indicate, as right. you're saying there, that you know people felt really strong about Guti and Brady and 
absolutely nobody else. Yeah, and she has actually been pretty good other than the last uh, month or so. As we go down the list here, you've got to mention a couple other guys who have flashed, but you know, we'll get to it. In the yeah, the guy flash. in fourth I expected to be in third. That's Mauricio Pineda getting 54.8% of the vote. Uh, if I had a vote for fire player this season, I would probably vote for Pineda. He's done the thankless task of switching positions constantly. He's showed very well as a center back, which is not his natural position. He's looked better there this year than he had in past years. Is he, is he the sort of guy who you probably vision as a starter on a championship team? No, probably not, but he'd be a great guy to have on the bench on a championship yeah, Mar- team. Mauricio Pineda is a solid MLS player, and he has been through the course of his professional career. Yeah, you know He has been there. a quality MLS player. So, yeah, I, I find it very strange that he he did not do better. Uh, fifth place, rounding out the top five, Marin Holly Selassie. This was, this was close. You'll see in the fine print if you're watching that this was a close-run thing, but at 45%, <laughs> Holly Selassie squeaks in as the people's final choice in fifth. I think there was a lot of skepticism about this signing at the beginning of the year. I think he is also in that Pineda category now if he's a solid MLS player. But I, I don't think anybody would argue that there could be an upgrade potentially there if the right player came Right. Would anybody really be upset if Holly Selassie isn't on the roster next year? And yeah, if Chris Mueller comes back, right. what, what does that look like? Speaking of which, the honorable mentions, Carlos Turan uh, comes in in sixth at 38.7%. I had Turan in my five. Um, I, that was It was a tough decision, but I left out Holly Selassie. Uh, Chris Mueller in seventh, 33%, did exactly one third. And then the only other guy to get above single digits was Jojos Kutsias. He comes in yeah. at 19%, which I think is a, hey, he looks promising. We don't know what we have there yet. Uh, we have three dishonorable mentions. There are only three players who got zero votes. Casper well, Shabilko, <laughs> Wayne Omsberg, and Spencer Ritchie. Uh, Spencer Ritchie, backup goalkeeper. I like Spencer a lot, but I can understand why no one's too torn up about the backup keeper. Wyatt Omsberg, I just feel bad for Wyatt because, man, like, that guy was looking really solid last year, got injured, and has basically never returned despite the fact that this defense has looked pretty lousy at times. Can, can we get him starting in Montreal this weekend? Because, I mean, <clears throat> why not? And then Shabilko, uh, <clears throat> kind of self-explanatory, um, why no one is super interested to see him back. I, I, I had uh, Mueller in my five. I thought he was their best player last year at the mm-hmm. window after his acquisition. Uh, where is your talisman? Where is your big DP, Jordan Shakiri? Fans don't. Uh, yeah, it makes he had no about impression. Five percent of respondents wanted Shigiri back. Something then, like that. Um, the funniest one I have to say, though, and I alluded to this on Twitter last <clears> night, <throat> and I guess I'll spill the beans here. Uh, through sixty-four responses, zero people had voted for Gaston Jimenez. <laughs> I texted you about this, and within the next five minutes, Gaston had two votes. Not sure what happened there, but I, I found that very funny. Uh, somebody clearly went through and voted for all the kids, or all the kids just voted for themselves, which I think also is, you know, I like that mentality. I mean, if I was a 19-year-old on the fire, I would also vote for four guys who I really liked a lot and then vote for me. Well, the kicker is some of these veterans who are, like you said, fans are indifferent whether they come back or not, or apparently most of them don't want uh, these guys back, are locked in for next year, and in some cases the year after. So... Uh, they're in a uh, another critical offseason where Mansueto has to make the right move with the sporting director and general manager who are, or president of soccer operations, whatever you want to call it. So a couple weeks ago on the show, we talked about MLS free agents in general. Again, specifically, uh, the, those youth players they are on, they are not like even restri- they're restricted free agents. They would only become free agents if like 
the club would have to like sell their rights basically. They can't just walk away. Here's your entire list. Fabian Herbers has an option. Kai Kamara's out of contract. Wyatt Omsberg has an option. Spencer Ritchie has an option. That's it. Even if you change the entire sporting department, that is not a lot of wiggle room with which to make a lot of changes. As I alluded earlier, you only get one contract buyout a year, which means, yes, you either could buy out Jimenez, you could buy out Shabilko, you cannot buy them both out. Right. Um, now, I, you know, if I prognosticated a bit here, I would say your, your most favorable route out of that scenario was guest on Jimenez goes back to somewhere in South America and you buy out Shabilko, but... Uh, maybe Shakiri goes to Lugano, which to me would be a... A sensible thing, just at some <laughs> open point up that, that does seem spot. inevitable. That you know, eventually, eventually, you know, even he's gonna be like, yeah, this this isn't really the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Going <laughs> home would be nice. Lake Como, wonderful. You know, just you you can play soccer and live on Lake Como. Like that seems like a pretty nice life, right? All things considered, especially if uh, if that's an option for you. Christian A in the chat asks, who should we bring in as head coach? I mean, I have no idea. Robin Frazier, who got fired this morning uh, in Colorado, is certainly a name that goes on the list. A lot of the guys who've been fired, though, this year are not particularly inspiring. Gio Savarese in Portland. Eh, Bob Bradley, Reclamation Project in Toronto. No. Um, Gustav uh, Struber, who then immediately got a job with a different Red Bull franchise in in Europe. Uh, yeah, it's just... I think we, we, we talked about this earlier with Ezra versus Klobos. Um, unless things above them change, unless the roster changes, the correct. manager's kind of irrelevant, right? Uh, that's right. You can, uh, the manager at this point is, uh, you know, is a secondary question. Uh, to me, the bigger question is, who is your sporting director next year? Because that's going to determine what the direction of this franchise or this club is going, uh, is going to be for the foreseeable future. Uh, they've already... Uh, alienated enough fans that uh, we keep saying this every year. This is a pivotal off season, uh, but again, we're we're at the same point where we've been for the better part of the last twelve years. What, uh, what, or who is going to be the individual that comes in and actually turns this thing around? So the fire have a lot of moves to make, but at in our next segment, we're going to talk about moves that literally everybody else has been making because the fire didn't make any this summer, but there has been some interesting things going on in the world of MLS transfers. But first, a word from our sponsors, Shady Rays. And as usual, I got to put on my Shady Rays to do this ad read. A pair of Shady Rays I purchased with this great deal that I'm about to tell you about from our friends at Shady Rays. You can take the sun on with gear that is built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've ever worn. And uh, including some seven letter two word brands. They are just as good, if not better. As Lawrence does the mental math in his head, durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That is not all. Shady Rays also offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by a lost and broken replacement guarantee. If you lose or break your pair, even on the first day you own them, they told us they're going to send you a brand new pair. No questions asked so you can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you give them your money. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is also providing much needed support to nonprofit 
Club partners across the U.S. through the Shady Rays Impact Project. From building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk at all when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses where you can try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 satisfied Shady Rays customers tom bogart of the athletic going to be joining us in a minute sent me a note a couple minutes ago that he's running uh maybe just one or two minutes late but he is a very busy man as his work never stops he was literally tweeting this morning about various deals getting done and about i think i saw this morning about how uh there's an american teenager who might be positioning himself as barcelona's new backup goalkeeper so that's potentially intriguing not that mark andre Terstegen is going anywhere but i mean it's been it's been a weird summer to be an MLS fan, particularly from a fire perspective where they've done nothing but bring in Usman Dumbia on loan. I mean, obviously the biggest story is everything going on in Miami. And I guess Guillermo, you know, you have the last time you were on the show was before all that unfolded. What, what have you made of the, the spectacle that is whatever we're calling what's going on down in what was the worst team in MLS until two weeks ago. Well, like they've gone from the worst team in MLS to uh, maybe the most entertaining team in the last and uh, in, in, uh, rememberable future or past, I should say. Um, it, it wasn't only Messi. We have to remember it's also Busquets and uh, Jordi Alba. So uh, they didn't just bring in one guy and say, "Here, fix it." They brought in um, two other professional international star players Messi who have played with Messi who are familiar with what he needs to be successful. And that's probably been uh, just as important for them as, uh, as Messi has. Yeah. I mean, cause when you think about it, the first couple of games, the thing that was standing out to me was not just Messi. It was Sergio Busquets was being allowed to just have all day to just quarterback and just ping passes around. And people seem to have learned their lesson a bit. And now Jordi Alba is suddenly an attacking threat. They're playing more recently in this back three setup, back five setup, where Alba is a left wing back with all the license in the world to get forward. Messi happily providing him assists. It's it's just wild to watch. And I honestly think, though, the, the key to all of it is Tata Martino. When those rumors started rumbling that, oh, Messi's not only going to Miami, Tata's going to go be the coach, it just it's really all clicked into place there because, I mean, obviously... MLS fans know what Tata did in his brief stint at Atlanta United and what happened immediately after he left, how important he was to how that team was functioning. I mean, this just, yes, having the best player maybe ever certainly is going to paper over a lot of cracks. But man, like, for all the rest of it and elevate the rest of the roster, I mean, I think that's maybe the best move of the year in MLS is them hiring Tata. Yes. Well, Nashville did well to sort of slow them down. They got everybody behind the ball mm-hmm. and sort of stayed come back and hit them on a counter. But again, they did that at the expense of their attack. Right. So uh, and a 0-0 draw, and you don't know how much of that was just tired legs. Uh, Miami's played a lot of games, and they've got a lot of games in a short period of time coming up here. So how much of that was just Miami kind of running out of gas in a midweek game against Nashville? Yeah, I think Nashville's an interesting one to watch. I think certainly um, as an MLS Cup pick, they have a lot of interesting upside given that a, they have shown an ability to slow down, um, slow down Messi. Now again, they sacrifice their offense to do that, so it, it, it's really hard to say where that's where that's going to go. 
when we talk about the fire though, before we get into other non-fire teams, like it, it, it does leave you puzzled because if there was money to spend on a designated player number nine, and that's still allegedly going to happen at, at, at some point, it's just, I'm not really sure what to make of when you see even teams below the fire on the table wheeling and dealing and, and trying things. It's just, okay, me, we, we won't know the context until the season's over and we see like who stays and who goes. And if we get an announcement the day after that NYCFC game that, you know, um, Sebastian Pelzer and George Heights have been fired, then it's like, okay, well, we get it now. But at the moment, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, and, and to me, that is an indication that, hey, you've sort of put the brakes on Heights and Pelzer in what they can do. Uh, but again, if you're going, if you're doing that, why not make the move now? Why continue on with this uh, uh, sort of farce of a, uh, of a second half of the season following a window where you did absolutely nothing other than add Usman Dumbia to, to fill your third DP spot? It makes little sense. If you're going to make the move, make the move. We are now excited to bring in the man who knows more than anything about how things go around in and out of MLS, transfers and beyond. Also, as I mentioned, some tweeting about American teenage goalkeepers in Spain this morning. He is everywhere all at once, and he joins us now, Tom Bogert of The Athletic. Tom, thanks so much for taking a few minutes here at the end of this CHGO Fire episode. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, adhering to my slight delay here on scheduling. You know, it's been a, it's been a busy morning. Oh, yeah, it's, it's always busy, even though the transfer windows <laughs> are largely shut. Turkey and Saudi Arabia open until Thursday, so some strange things could still happen. Um, Tom, I think to start, we were just talking about, you know, the phenomenon that, of course, was Miami bringing in Messi and Busquets and Jordi Alba and Tata Martino. But I wanted to ask you about the other guys they've signed, because I feel like this is going to go under the radar but it's going to be so important. We saw it the other night in LA. How would you describe how big a deal the signings of, signings of Facundo Farias, Diego Gomez, and Tomas Aviles are going to be if Miami wants to get where they're going? Yeah, I've been talking about this for the last few weeks because like this, this is extremely important and like it goes to the investment that ownership has made and, and the identification and deal-making that the front office has done for these targets. They spent obviously a lot of money to bring in Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets. And then they spent 15 million in combined transfer fees for Toto Viles, Facundo Farias, and Diego Gomez. Like these are three extremely highly rated South American, you know, under 22 players. Uh, Diego Gomez is in the full Paraguayan national team. Aviles is the most expensive center back in MLS history at $7 million. And, and Farias was like being linked with like a $15 million transfer like a year and a half ago before he tore his ACL. Like he was one of the brightest talents in, in Argentina for Miami to be able to sign those three players. And the U22 initiative is such a great way to stretch your depth and like take big swings without having, you know, necessarily really big repercussions. Because if one of these three players, the only other way they could be on the team, maybe Gomez could have been with Tam, but the only other way that they could have been on the team for the most part is a DP spot. So you get to keep your DB spots. You had to take three big swings with the U22 initiative. They hit your salary cap at 150000 or 200 each. Like, it's a really smart way for um, ambitious clubs to maximize their spend on the roster. Like, this is one of the few ways that you can, you know, separate yourself from other clubs. Just uh, don't do that in ambitious spending on uh, Ignacio Aliceta. Um <laughs> Be sure to go onto The Athletic and check out Tom's piece from a couple weeks ago on 
how Miami are pulling all of this off, allegedly. It's really great reporting and answers a lot of the questions that I think a lot of people have about Miami's setup. Uh, Tom, we want to run quickly here with you through several big transfers. I think we got to start with the biggest money one, and that's Georgie Petrovich going from New York, New England Revolution to Chelsea. 15 million pounds, I think it was the reported fee on that one. Is 17 and a half million US. Yeah, is this uh, just is this just Matt Turner 2.0? Did, did the Revolution just pull a second rabbit out of their hat with this one? He's better, man. And like, I love Matt Turner. I was <laughs> one of the first, I think, to give my Matt Turner bona fides. I was one of the first to kind of be saying that he should be the starting US national team goalkeeper. So again, I don't say this lightly that I like conclusively Georgie Petrovich is better. Like those are the two of the best shot stoppers I've ever seen in this league. And it's insane to me that they played for the same team and back to back. Like the fact that New England replaced Matt Turner with Georgie Petrovich is, is unreal. It was fin- fantastic against scouting, fantastic player, like well done to, to Georgie for everything he's accomplished. And they were holding really strong to, we're not going to let you go this summer. We understand that we'll probably lose money like we could accept higher offers right now for like FC Nantes and Nottingham Forest. They were like, look, I'm sorry. We want to keep you. We're pushing for MLS Cup and we'll let, we'll let you go in the winter or whatever. Um, he didn't love that, but he kind of understood it after a couple of days. And then two weeks later, Chelsea came in and like there was no chance that you could reject it again at that figure and what it would do to both Petrovic and the locker room if they kind of denied him this opportunity. It just made too much sense on all fronts. And they were able to bring in another goalkeeper. So yeah, it was it was a really great move, and again, like it, this is how you continue to build your reputation by selling these players. Or like Matt Turner, you know, Zach Steffen leaves Columbus for Manchester City, and then Matt Turner goes to Arsenal from New England, and then Georgie Petrovic goes for seventeen and a half million. Yeah, uh, Georgie Petrovic going for roughly double, maybe even slightly more than double what Matt Turner went for just a year ago. So that's really remarkable. Um, quickly, want to ask you, Tom, about one that people might have not seen, but. LAFC just sold a player to Barcelona, and yep. that's not something that happens often. Mamadou Fall had spent the last year on loan in Spain. For those who haven't been following along, uh, can you fill in the blanks there for people who might have missed what is actually a pretty big transfer in terms of MLS outgoings? Yeah, Mamadou Fall was one of the you know most highly rated young players when he broke through with LAFC. He was 18 when he was getting his first starts and around the world. And it's like, again, you, you guys know better than anybody with Gago Sonina, 17-year-old goalkeepers don't start in top division flights. 18-year-old center backs really are like not just like getting some starts, but like unquestioned first choice center back for LAFC when they were among the best teams in the league. Like he was one of the most highly rated young players in MLS. And Villarreal signed him on loan with with the purchase option, and everybody at LAFC and you know myself, people around the league that like really know like Mamadou Fall, we were all assuming like he's gone, like there's he's gonna it'll be a loan with the purchase option, they'll, they'll trigger the purchase option. Apparently, like talks broke down, and Fall came back. Villarreal were were trying to sign him as well, but Barcelona came in and and it was pretty clear that was gonna be his top choice. So Barcelona come in with a loan with the purchase option as well, just like Villarreal did. I was described, it was described to me as like part of that has to do with accounting that Barcelona FIFA fair play, all that stuff you've, you've read about their, their difficulties that, you know, they couldn't do a transfer fee right now. Um, so they, I guess we'll, we'll see in, in a year if, if this is triggered, but um, it, it would be like, I think up to or around 7 million if all add-ons ended up getting hit. So it's a really significant deal for a really highly rated young player. And again, he's, Almost like he's definitely going to be with Barcelona B at first. I'm sure that's where the majority of his minutes are going to go. But again, like Barcelona really see something in him. 
We're actually running a bit short on time here ourselves. So we're going to do, I think, three quick fire last questions here, Tom, cool. and get you out of here on these. So short answers on all of these. First off, Christian Oliveira from Almeria to LAFC. Is he finally the guy to complete that trio that LAFC can't figure out with Buonga and Vela? Now, Mario Gomez is supposed to be that guy, the center forward. Uh, so Kiki Oliveira is another in the mold of like Stipe Buke or Mateus Bogush, like of, hey, this is a, the highly talented young player. I've heard a lot of like a couple of scouts I talked to in MLS that this kid's extremely talented and hopefully his head's on right. And it seems like he is. He's with the Uruguayan national team. So it's, it's just them taking another swing. We saw their defensive exploits twice last couple weeks against Miami. Does Sam Surridge, striker from Nottingham Forest, who's hit the ground running, does he make Nashville SC a true MLS Cup contender? Yeah, and honestly, I'm, I'm such a sucker for Hani Mukhtar and the defensive structure that this team has that I would have called them a legitimate uh, contender for MLS Cup without him. And he's come in and, and like he could be the difference that takes him over the top where it's not just the Hani Mukhtar show. And they've done a little bit better this year with Jacob Schappelberg and, and Fafa Pico as being like, secondary tertiary scoring uh, option so sam surge continues this run of form and, and i think it's real all the underlying numbers in the championship you know suggested this i mean the goal scoring numbers weren't perfect but like he seems like the real deal and, and they, based on everything i've read seen and talked to like th this is what they're expecting and then finally uh san jose has made themselves the island of misfit toys for north american strikers uh from you from where you sit who do you and what you've heard about what they think of these players who looks better positioned in your mind to revive some hype into their career? Uh, Canadian international Ayo Akinola or U.S. international and uh, League's Cup wonder Matthew Hoppy? I would lean slightly to Hoppy just because at least he's been fit in his career. Like Ayo Akinola has struggled a lot with injuries, so I'm not sure you know if he'll have the first path towards more minutes or not. But but Hoppy just because I think he's a better bet to stay fit, and and both of them took a hit when. Kate Cowell wasn't sold to Bologna. Like, I think it honestly should have been. There was the offers were there and they should have been sold. So now, like, they're all, you know, both Hoppy and Io are, are going to be on the outside looking in for playing time. But that's not to suggest that they won't, you know, get minutes and make a difference. One more fire related question for you, Tom. I know you had the uh, Dumbia signing at the end of June, right before the window opened. Were you surprised that they filled a DP spot with, uh, with Dumbia? And were there any other uh, inklings about uh, potentially filling that? Uh, a need for a striker or or, uh, or a wing player with a DP at any point during the summer? Yeah, I mean, the plan all winter was a DP forward, and then that, that kind of never materialized. They they weren't, like, looking for, say, like, you know, the $12 million player. It was more like Huang Zhou, who would have been, like, maybe, maybe not necessarily, like, like Dumbia is a, a tamable DP. Like, he, he's if he stays, he's not going to be a DP next year, or at least he doesn't have to be. I don't you know, things change, roster building is fluid. So this was kind of the idea to, to retain flexibility, um, so I'd assume that they're going to, you know, take a really big swing on a center forward next year, whether that's George Heights making the decision or, you know, somebody else that comes into the front office. Uh, I think it makes sense that they're going to wait until at least the head coach is in, let alone whether there's going to be more additions to the front office. So, you know, it, it kind of makes sense to me. And, and, you know, the center forwards have been fine, serviceable, right? Like, so, um, you know, we'll see what the <laughs> what the winter brings. But again, I would have said the same thing last year that I thought they were going to bring in a big, take a big swing at center forward in the winter. So, you know, what the hell do I know? Big swing at center forward, turn into Kai Kamara and Giorgio Scutius. Not probably what Fire fans had in mind. Hopefully, though, there will be a lot more Fire related reporting from Tom Bogert this offseason with moving and shaking to the roster, but only time will tell. Tom, we'd love to talk to you for longer, but we got to get out of here ourselves. Tom Bogert, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to join us here on CHGO Fire. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, guys.
And that's going to do it for this episode. Guillermo Rivera, thank you again for coming and always appreciate your level-headedness and uh, the way you assess the fire. Again, I think you, uh, you were a good servant. I think everyone agreed to the fire beat for a long time, but I don't think anyone can blame you for uh, now going on beat emeritus <laughs> status. Well, thanks for having me. Always fun to be here. So we will be back in a couple weeks with another episode of CHGO Fire. We are counting down to that messy game here in Chicago because, let's be honest, it's the thing we have most to look forward to. But hopefully the fire can win once or twice along the way. I'm Alex Campbell. This has been CHGO Fire, and we'll talk to you next time.